Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. And this morning, I want to talk about faith, and I want to talk about the space that faith fills. There is a a void in our in our lives constantly, and it's a space that something is going to fill. In a galaxy far, far away, in a neighborhood actually in Kiwana, there was a garage, and that garage was built for cars, two cars to be exact. And over time, that garage got filled with suitcases, a refrigerator that doesn't work, free if anybody wants it, by the way, a bicycle, um, an ironing board that's still in the box that was on sale at Aldi that's never, ever been opened, Uh, clothing, shoes, some Tupperware, I think, is in there, some tools, a ladder. Uh, the, The list just goes on and on. And to the point when I go out to the garage to get in my car, I, I can't get past everything that's all around. Can't even open the door of the car because it hits all these boxes. And if that's not enough, we have another room off the garage. And in a galaxy far, far away a long time ago, that was empty. It was going to be used for, oh, it's going to be a nice ironing room. And now it's just full of, I won't say junk, but treasures. And it's everywhere. And in your life, there is space. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, very familiar passage of Scripture, but I don't want you to tune out. I want all of us to learn something new about something old. And in that Scripture, it says this. It says, now faith is. You memorized it probably. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen or not yet seen. And by faith, the elders obtained a good report. It goes on in verse 2. Now faith, we talk about that a lot here at this church, that you can only live in the now, the present tense. The space that you occupy is always now. You can't go back in time. Time travel is for Star Trek and other uh, sci-fi movies or shows, but... You can't go forward in time either. You're not going to slingshot around the moon in a spaceship and be somewhere else. You only have present tense called now. And something is going to fill your now. And faith wants to fill your now. But what is it and why is it and how can we fill that, that void with faith and not other stuff? Because there's an endless list of other stuff, just like our garage. There's an endless list of stuff that wants to fill your now. So I'm going to give you three simple things to really to focus on to fill that void with faith so that faith can reside in, in the place, the space called the present world called now in your life. The first thing I want to give you is 
For faith to fill your now, you have to be present in the now. You have to be fully there. Now, a lot of times we mistake being physically there as fully there. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you just know by the look in their eyes, they get this glassy look, or perhaps they're looking over there and you're talking to them from here, and you know you're talking, they're not listening. They've got more important things, perhaps, or perhaps they're just a daydreamer. Or perhaps you're really boring and they've just tuned out because what you've got to say isn't all that interesting. I don't know. But I think we've all been there. I find myself, whenever I have to ring up my bank or my insurance company, they always apologize. They say that we've been experiencing uh, busy times and we can't take your call. And then they put me on hold and I'm forced to listen to Edelweiss or some other music that I hate for 10, 20, 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. It's like, oh, no. Like, and then in the middle of the music that I hate, they have these commercials that tell me how valuable I am as a customer. And did you know that because you bank with whatever bank it is, that we're going to do this for you and that you could actually uh, get a discount by purchasing another insurance policy or whatever. It's like, I don't even, I don't even like the one I got now. I don't like you. I, I'm, I, I'm hating you more by the minute as I have to listen to this. And so what I do, and maybe you don't do it. This is just me confessing, but I'll take my phone and I'll put it somewhere with the speaker on and I'll go about my business. Sometimes my business takes me to places like the toilet. <laughs> Great chance to double task, multitask. Uh, sometimes I go in the kitchen to make a shake or something with the blender going. You know, as soon as I'm, my hands are tied up or I can't get to that phone, sure enough, on comes the person I want to talk to. Hello, how can I help you? It's like, ah, oh, it's never convenient. So what I started doing is actually doing something like that so that they'll come on, because I just know there's something going on here, and uh, it works every time. But not listening to the one that we need to get faith from, because Romans chapter 10, verse 17, and you probably know this one as well, but it says, now faith cometh, old King James, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. To be present means to be listening. In, in everyday conversations, and everyday moments that we have, we'll be present with people. We'll be at work, perhaps. You'll be at the store. You can be anywhere, to be honest. And God wants to speak something to you that will cause faith to rise up in your heart. But if you're not present in the moment or you're off listening to something else and you're not paying attention to what God wants to say, then that crucial word that God wants to give you, you won't hear it. You'll be tuned out. You'll be present physically, but that space will be somewhere else and something else 
will fill the void that faith wants to fill. I, I marvel at how many times God has spoken to me in moments where I think, if I wasn't listening, if I wasn't seeking, if I wasn't paying attention and open, and had, if I didn't have, you know, to, to use a, a, an old kind of old school illustration, if, if I wasn't dialed in on, on the radio to that frequency called God wants to speak frequency, then, then I would have missed that. And often what God will tell me, and he doesn't talk a lot. Have you ever noticed that? God doesn't have a big mouth. It's a still, small voice. And, and, and when, when he speaks into that void called now, you're here right now. You are in that right now. There is a now, a present tense now going on with all of us. And that void called now is going to be filled with something. Could be distractions, discouragement, voices of discouragement. Well, you're not very good looking. Well, you don't have enough money. Well, you don't fit there. All those other people, you know, happy, clappy people, they've all got God, but, you know, you don't get it and you don't fit in. And... Or what if? What if? What if can go good or what if can be bad? You can have what if for God and faith will fill that void. What if I did go and talk to that person about the things of God? Maybe they would listen. Well, what if I did take some time and, and dedicate that time to prayer first thing in the morning? What if I did that? What if I opened up my Bible in a systematic way and, and did some devotions and some journaling? Maybe I would hear from God first thing in the morning about my day and faith would fill that void called now all the way through my day. What if? Or what if can be like Moses arguing with God when God says, let my people go to tell, go to Pharaoh, deliver Israel out of Egypt. What, is, what does Moses say? Well, what if they won't hear me? What if they won't listen to me? Then what am I going to do? What if can go the other way? What if the economy continues to fail? What if the stock market crashes? Well, what if? That person dies. What, what if they get sick? What, what if there's another wave of the virus that comes through? And, oh, my goodness. You know, I don't know if I could stand it. What if? What if? What if? What if wants to fill the void called now? But faith wants to fill the void called now. A lot of people wonder, I don't know why my faith isn't working. Faith has to work because that's what faith does. But faith will willingly fill the void for the person that is present tense with God, that is in God's presence in the present. You can come to church. The preacher can work really hard preaching a message. The worship team can work really hard bringing you into a, a higher level of awareness of God. But if you're not present in that space, if that space is given to something else, distractions and things outside of, of, the, of the service that you're in, well, then you might as well not show up. Take your physical body and go to wherever your mental awareness is, wants to take you and deal with whatever business that you have to. But if you're going to be somewhere, be somewhere. Be fully engaged in the present tense wherever you are. 
I met with some pastors uh, two weeks ago, I think it was, and they were uh, pastors from another country, pastoring a church for that ethnicity. They're explaining the persecution that they were under. Beautiful couple, husband and wife. And they were explaining just how hard it was at the moment, at the season, because their church was uh, something like 100 people, and now it's down to like maybe 10 people, something like that. And financially, they were struggling, and they were struggling in their marriage, and it was just a hard time. And I remember being fully present, listening to their heart, but also listening to God. And I remember just thinking, God, show me what I can do. What do you want to do with this beautiful couple? And on the way out, I prayed, of course, with them and encouraged them. And I shared some of my testimony and trials that I'd been through over the years. And, you know, they were both weeping. And then on the way out to the car, the car park, God told me. He says, what do you have in your wallet? I said, I've got some 50s. He said, give them each a 50. And I want you to tell them to take each other on a date. Take take all the money and spend it. So I said, can you wait here? And we're out in the car park, and they're kind of like, why are we waiting here? You know, I'm going over to the car, like, get into the car. (laughs) And they're looking like, I don't know what he's on about. and then I got the money. I thought, how am I going to give it? So I said, let's hold hands. And I feel to pray again. So, so I grabbed their hands and I had the money. And Australian money, of course, is made out of plastic. And it's kind of a weird feeling. And I took their hands with the money. And they immediately knew what it was. And they were like, they wanted to let go. Why have you done this? And I said to them, I want you to take him on a date. And I want you to take her on a date. And I want you to spend all this money just going out to eat and have a good time together. Well, they lost it. I almost lost it. Like just, they were, they were just gobstruck that, that something like that would happen. That was a word from God that wanted, faith wanted to occupy the space. My head would argue about that. Oh, it's a lot of money. Why would you do that? Oh, you know, they're not going to receive it. You know, they don't need it. Argue, argue, argue. Your head will argue out of the space that faith wants to occupy. Your head will argue you out of now. Now faith is. When God speaks in the now, he wants you to the next thing he wants you to obey, which is activity. You see, James says this, faith without works is dead. That's a pretty amazing statement, isn't it? Faith just doesn't think about it. Faith actually has hands. Faith actually has feet. Faith actually resides resides not in the head where doubt can reside, but faith resides in the heart. Faith wants to speak. This is the word of faith that we speak. There's some amazing scriptures on this, and uh, I don't want to overload with scriptures, but I want to give you just a, a, a couple of I think they're just brilliant scriptures that will actually, I believe, help all of us understand this. But we have to act uh, on on what it, whatever it is that God tells us 
and gives us instruction for, it demands action. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. Listen to this. God's telling Joshua, he's the leader now of Israel. Moses is dead, and God says in chapter 1, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you're going to lead these people. There was over a million, some commentators say about 4 million people, roughly the size of the population of Sydney. They're in a wilderness. God wants to take them across the Jordan into Canaan, their promised land. But here's what he tells Joshua when he gives him this instruction. Now he says this book, in verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, speaking it out. That's why Christianity is called the great confession, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. The mouth connection with the heart is incredible. That's why we sing. I don't know why you sing. I don't need to sing no song. Sing, for goodness sakes. Get it out. Get your heart connected with your mouth. It's not... Anyway. <laughs> this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate. See, meditation is a Bible word. You'll ponder in that, in that space that you have so that doubt and unbelief and distractions and discouragement don't fill that, that space because faith wants to fill it. You need to meditate day and night that you may observe what? To do. See, meditation isn't just about observing. Some people think, oh, I read the Word of God so I can see something. That's the beginning. But observation has to lead to action. That you may observe to, to do according that is all that is written in it for then. Then what? When you observe it? No. When you do what you observe. For then God will make your way prosperous. No, it doesn't, don't amen me on that one. For then you will make your way prosperous. God's not going to do it for you. People have this idea that God is like Father Christmas. That oh, all I got to do is pray and then God's going to do this all for me. No, he's not. Joshua, you still have to lead the people across. Every, step, every place that the soles of their feet shall tread upon, God says, I've given it, but they still got to tread upon it. You still have to step out your promised land. God doesn't just hand it all to you. Observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. It's really important to see this going back to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. We won't put it up, but faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How do you, how do you have evidence of something that's not seen? The evidence of your faith is your action. It's what you're doing that follows, not precedes, that follows what God speaks into your heart. There are some other scriptures, and I'm, I'm going to uh, give you uh, James 1.22. Listen to this. Because your actions are the evidence of your faith that you really believe something. So you can say, oh, I believe in, I really believe in generosity and God blesses us financially and all that. Well, if you're a giver, you do. If you're not, you probably don't. Well, I really believe God can heal. Well, do you lay hands on the sick? Because if you're not, you probably don't. Oh, I really believe in 
Sharing my faith in evangelism, God wants to reach souls. Well, do you share your faith? Because if you don't, you probably don't believe it. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so declare yourselves, deceive yourselves rather. <sighs> do what it says. <laughs> do you get that? Don't just listen. Where I come from, they say talk is cheap. A lot of con men. People just talk and talk and talk. It's cheap. Talk is cheap. Just takes a bit of air. But action, that's going to cost you something. Don't just listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, not bondage, freedom, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. I know I'm emphasizing this, but I just get, as a pastor, I don't know, frustration is kind of a big word for this, but angry maybe, a Christian saying, oh, God, if this stuff doesn't work, you know, God, blame it on God. Did you do what he said? Did you give faith space? And then when you did, and God speaks something, maybe it's just totally counterintuitive. If you don't do it, it has to have action. Faith has to have corresponding action. Whoever looks into the perfect law of freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in, come on, everybody. They will be blessed in what they do, not what you don't do. <laughs> For faith to be present in the now, in the void, in that present tense everywhere you go, you have to have a meditation to hear God's voice, a presence. You have to be present in the moment and then act, have corresponding action because talk is cheap. James 2.17, in the same way, James says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. I got all this faith. Not if you're not acting on it, you don't. I remember reading the story of Martin Luther and actually uh, found out that I'm actually related to him, which I thought was pretty, pretty cool. And, and Martin Luther was the great reformer. And in the 16th century, he was a German Catholic priest. And Martin Luther was bound up by a works-based theology and he was climbing the steps at a monastery in Rome with his inverted goatskin coat on bloodied knees, climbing the steps, trying to do penance. It was at a time when the Catholic Church was selling what was called indulgences, where the priest would come, knock on your door, and if you gave the priest money, 
they would say, okay, here's some indulgences, your sins are forgiving. And it got so crazy that you could actually pay for sins that you hadn't committed yet, but planned on committing. So if you planned on murdering somebody, you're going to kill them next week, but the priest is coming by today. Uh, yes, here's some, some indulgences, and I want forgiveness for that murder I'm about to commit or whatever it was. And Martin Luther is climbing these steps on his bloodied knees with his inverted goatskin coat when God spoke to him through a scripture, that scripture in James. And then, and then God spoke to him actually out of Habakkuk that the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. He got so excited about that that he went on and, and reformed the Catholic Church Protestantism as a result of that protest against that, got out of that, and, and became so uh, obsessed with this whole thing, this whole uh, living by faith, and getting out of the, 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 the whole payment and the indulgence that that he, he found a new form of salvation instead of beating himself up, he, but he failed to see another great truth that faith without works is dead. In getting one revelation, he lost another revelation. So there's two sides to this. The just shall live by faith, but faith has demands corresponding action. It's both. It's obedience. I like what Yongi Cho, who built the lar largest church in the world, and South Korea, close to a million people, give or take 100,000. Somebody asked him, what's the secret to your success, Dr. Cho? And he said this, I pray and I obey. I mean, how simple is that? I pray and I obey. Give God that space. Be fully present. And then when, whatever it is that God shows you, just do it. I like the tension between Martha and Mary, and we're not going to go over there, but Jesus shows up, the disciples, and, and Martha, she's distracted. She's trying to get dinner ready. She's trying to clean the house, and Jesus shows, and Mary just starts sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. Martha complains, and Jesus said, Martha, Martha. You're worried and distracted about many things, but Mary, she's chosen that one thing, that good thing, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus is transfigured on a mountain, and Peter, James, and John are there, and he shines like the noonday sun. And Peter, not knowing what to do, he goes, oh, should, should we build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus? And this voice comes. In, in essence, it says, shut up, Peter. This is my beloved son, hear ye him. Your doing doesn't precede the presence of God in hearing. Your doing follows hearing. The just shall live by faith, but faith demands action. One way to know whether you believe something is just to examine what you're doing. So in other words, if you believe in forgiveness, then you're forgiving people. If you believe in prayer, you're a prayer. If you believe that God supplies 
all of your needs according to his riches and glory, then you'll quit worrying about it. If you believe that God's church is his bride, then you'll nourish people. If you believe in lost people that they need the gospel, then you'll share your faith. If you believe, then you will do. It's not I think all things or talk about all things, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God wants to work in you. And number three, then we'll close. Faith, faith is not only always active in the now, but faith is a fighter. There's a time where you have to fight the good fight of faith. I don't like to fight. I don't think you do too. I think we're all a pretty friendly bunch of people. And if you're fighting people, you are fighting the wrong fight. It's not the fight of faith if you're fighting other people, especially not other Christians. So much of that goes on, I think God must just be gone. What, are they re what book are they reading? Seriously. Could it, is it the same book, Jesus, that we, you know, that we wrote, wrote this book? Holy Spirit, are you not interpreting this properly to these people? Some of us are fighting the wrong fight. Oh, we're, we're present, and we're aware of God's presence, and we're even sometimes obedient. We'll go that far. But then the fight is on. And the devil doesn't fight nice and kind and, oh, you go first. No, you go. Don't worry. We're, we're, you know, he fights dirty. And he fights with deception. And he hates your guts because you're made in the image of God. He hates God, so he hates you. You just got to suck it out. Realize that. He doesn't fight fair. And if you're fighting him, you're already lost because God Jesus defeated him on the cross at Calvary. If you're fighting your brother, wrong fight. But some of us are fighting, we're shadow boxing things of the past and, and pain, and things that happened to us that were not pleasant. We're, we're fighting the wrong fight. The fight of faith is not that fight. The fight of faith is fighting to get into a posture where I'm in the presence of God, where I can hear from God. The fight of faith is when God speaks that I'm obedient to do whatever it is that God tells me to do, even if it's just fill these pots up with water and I'm going to turn them into wine. The fight of faith goes counterintuitive. The fight of faith is not beating up another Christian. The fight of faith is not shadow boxing my past. The fight of faith in the now is an active fight to make sure that I kick out of the room, so to speak, that I'm occupying every naysayer, every doubt, every unbelief, everything that wants to encroach into that space because I want faith to fill that space. I cannot have my garage filled with suitcases and everything else if I'm going to get the cars in there. Really important. Faith is a fighter, but it fights the right, the right fight, not the shadows of the past. One of the hardest things about the past, and we're going to close, so I'd like the music team to come up, thanks. Uh, one of the hardest things to not fight and step into when it comes to the past isn't just the pain and the hurtful things. It's the good things that happened. I find that uh, the older I get, 
the easier it is to reminisce about the good old times that weren't all that good, really. And not to live present tense because I'm thinking all the time about the good old days. Another fight that you dare not enter into is just contending with people that let you down that were good. You had that gorgeous girl of your dreams and she dumped you. What a letdown. You had this money, success, and you lost it all. It was that good thing that you believe for using your faith and it was ripped out from underneath you and dwelling on that will cause you to go mad. I worked with a guy named Dennis and we were painting back in San Diego. It's kind of before we came over here to start the church. And Gail knows who I'm talking about and Dennis had a family, beautiful wife. I think he had three kids. And he had been very successful in business, like made a couple hundred thousand back in, we're talking like nine, 1986 or something. And all we'd talk about on break, he would talk about the cars he had and the, the money that he had and the position and I had it all. I'm thinking, he's not living present tense anymore. He's living in something that an area where he was successful but lost it. And it was really uh, heartbreaking for us. We'd moved back here, and some friends of ours that know Dennis, they said, did you hear about Dennis? He said, no, he jumped, he jumped off the Coronado Bridge, killed himself. It's like the Gateway Bridge. Drove him mad. He was a fighter. But the wrong fight. You got to be in the right fight the fight of faith, the right fight is to fight for what God shows you, to fight for what God wants you to do, to fight for the ground that God wants you to take moving forward, not the fight of the past. That's over with. Sad, but it's done. Pick it up. Move on. I want to pray for all of us. I, I don't know everyone here, and I don't know what where everyone is at, but I'd like you to bow your head, heads if you would. I'm going to ask you, would you fight the fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life? If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, this is your morning. If you're watching online and you haven't done that, it'd be my pleasure to lead you in a prayer so that you can ask Jesus into your heart and God can do something in you so that he can do something through you. That this space right now, it either, either it belongs to you or you're going to give that to God. That space called your heart. He wants you to give him your heart. So if that's you and you don't know him and you're here, I, I want to pray. I'd like you to pray after me. Simple prayer, not a formula, but just a prayer, a heartfelt prayer. But say it out loud because... It is confession. Say, dear God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to save me. Jesus, I give you my heart.
Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.